I used to be pretty incredible myself when I lived in Brooklyn. Really? What happened? I moved to Manhattan. <laughs> this is Tony Manero. He's got the looks. He's got the guts. He's got the moves. Now, all he needs are the bricks. Oh, you think that because you're on a show and I'm not, that's competition, yeah. right? It ain't competition. Well, what is it? Envy. If he's going to get to the top... Can you be sure that's ever going to happen? It's going to take everything he's got. If you want to dance here, you follow my rules. Because I'm going to push you until you think you're going to die. Paramount Pictures presents... John Travolta. In a Robert Stigwood production. A Sylvester Stallone film. Staying Alive. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to podcast iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Damien Network, and to find more from us, check out the website, themaindamie.com, or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Main Damien. We are also now a proud member of Geek Fives Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, guys. How's it going? Yeah, hello. Have you ever watched the movie and just gotten uh, so obsessed with a character's, an actor's career that you're constantly just looking at the IMDb and confused because I was that way with uh, Cynthia Rhodes during this movie. Oh yeah, we talked about Cynthia Rhodes on Run Runaway. We were yeah, she had a very interesting career. Yeah, um, yeah. I was just like, it just cuts off. Like you never see that. Like it literally, 1989 comes nothing. Mm-hmm. She dive. Yeah. She gave up acting to go raise Richard Marx's children. Yeah. It just was fascinating me again while watching this. It's just like, 
Usually you see like a 10 year break to raise kids and then they come back. But this is she's committed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But before we get into this week's movie, gentlemen, uh, should we just talk about the one movie that we all watched? Or did you watch more that's worth talking? I watched one other movie. uh, I thought it was kind of worth talking about. Uh, Have either of you gentlemen seen Pig? Well, one Nicolas Cage. I have not seen Pig yet. Okay, Mark, have you? Nope. I would say it's worth it. Okay. And I was led astray, and I was actually, I was happily surprised that I was, because someone at work told me it was John Wick with a pig, mm-hmm. so I was thinking, oh, you know, Nicolas Cage is going to go berserk, per usual, and just murder a bunch of people to get his pig back, and it couldn't be further from the case. It's actually, he's subdued in this movie for 99% of it. Right, and, that's what I've been hearing. Yeah, and... It's in a movie where you think he would be deranged. He just pulls the rope a dope on you. And he's actually, he gives a very good performance. A very, uh, it's very nuanced, I'll say. And he is such an enigma, Nick Cage, <laughs> right? Like he does just schlock after schlock after schlock. And then he'll just pop up to remind you, I can act. I'm actually a pretty good actor when I want to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this movie's worth it. it. It's a good movie. It's a quote unquote revenge movie. Mm-hmm. But it, it's really just how it deals with sorrow and how different people deal with it differently. Uh, okay. And the, the son from Hereditary is in it. Alex uh, Wolf. Yeah, yeah, he's in it. He's very good. He, he's a very. I'm I'm interested in his career. He's yeah. quickly become uh, one of my favorite young actors. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was a good movie. I, I would recommend you guys see it. Did you go to the theaters to see this? No, I did not. Uh, hmm. Dubious means? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was curious because it's not playing anywhere. It's playing in Cherry Hill, but it's not playing in the uh, the local, the more local theater. I, I have a coworker. <laughs> it's my it's my coworker. He's he's uh, from London, so blame him. FBI, <laughs> Craig, or Craig Bot, whoever's recording. <laughs> Blame him. You're an accomplice now, Craig. You can't say anything. (laughs) Now you can't say anything. You're aiding and abetting. Okay, yeah, I've heard good things. Uh, I do want to check it out. Uh, If it was playing in the uh, the Marlton 8, I probably would have seen it by now. But it is not. Uh, Is that it? Besides the big one? Yep, besides the big one. All right, what about you, Mark? Anything besides the big one? No, same thing, just the big one. Okay, yeah. Me? So, because of the movie that we are watching this week, I resubscribe to hbo max and rather than wanting to pay 14.99 for basically a 40 year old john travolta interpretive dance movie i decided to get my money's worth so i watched uh kind of like the harley quinn week for me so besides the fact that i watched birds of prey today to complete the trifecta of the past week i watched the harley quinn animated series which Man, I can't believe that show is under the same umbrella as movies that are so joyless, like Batman versus Superman, Justice League, because my God, what an interesting, fun, a very adult show. (laughs) (laughs) I really like it. Yeah. Yeah, I I thought you would. It's very colorful and uh, Mm -hmm. the voice acting is great. I I think it's such a good cast. Mm hmm. And yeah, you're right. How could they, in the, in the same motion, give us that? Also, give us just bland movies. Mm. I I don't understand it. At it's got to be different people making decisions, right? 
It has to be, right? Like, the one thing that's always been good about DC is their animated movies and shows mm-hmm. uh, are far superior to Marvel's. Mm-hmm. And like, I think Marvel just doesn't really care. They know that they're not going to make good animated. But man, th- th- those DC animated shows are just, they're so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but th- this is a lot of fun. I love Bane in it because <laughs> it's somebody doing a impression of Tom Hardy as Bane, uh, which I kind of love. And he's just an idiot. Uh, I kind of love that. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and Kaylee Cuoco does a pretty good job as Harley Quinn. Um, yeah. She doesn't do a weird accent. It's just her voice. It 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 goes up and down. Uh, the one episode where she goes back home to Bensonhurst, she, it gets a little thicker. And maybe that was like a choice. It was because, you know, she's in Brooklyn. So mm-hmm. um, so her her accent comes back further. But yeah, it's not. It's a little more subdued than you know what Margot Robbie or what even what Batman the the original Batman the animated series did. But yeah, yeah a really good show. A lot of fun. Um, I think I'm like the last episode. If it's twelve episodes per season, I think I'm on the last episode of the first season. I think with three seasons or two seasons. I think it's two. Yeah, they're. I think they're coming yeah. out the third one soonish. Yeah. So that's kind of made buying HBO Max for at least a month worth it. Uh, but other than that, we all watched the big one. Um, yeah. James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. So, Dan, why don't you go first and tell us what you thought about The Suicide Squad? Surprisingly fun. Uh, it was a solid movie. I enjoyed it. Um, I I kind of had high expectations going into it as well. It it looked like a lot of fun on the in the trailer. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I said it in our last podcast, I had been fooled before. The, the first Suicide Squad was actually, the, the trailer seemed interesting. But James Gunn has a way of making you care for nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a big underdog guy. And maybe that just coincides with his life story, maybe? Because he, he came up working for Troma, I think. Yeah. And who would, who would suspect a guy working for Troma, the, the, you know, Toxic Avenger... And uh, was it Nuclear High, right? Was it class a, of Nuka High? Class of Nukem High. Nukem High, yeah. Like, who would have thought someone like that would be making these blockbuster movies and just killing it? Uh, I I love the characters. Uh, I thought that there was some. I thought it was a little long. I think this movie could have been at least an hour forty-five, maybe two hours. This was a little over two hours. Mm-hmm. It, it dragged a little bit towards the end, but uh, Idris Elba always amazing. John Cena was actually really good in this. I, I enjoyed him. Uh, Polka Dot Man, awesome. Dot, yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. It, Polka Dot Man is a joke to to uh, like in the Batman mythos. The, the dude gets captured by like Rob, like the third Robin. That's how <laughs> Batman doesn't even handle him. Like, yeah, I'll send you know send Damien out. Go go get him. Uh, but yeah, everyone was just really good, and it, it had a lot of heart. It had way more heart. And the first Suicide Squad it had higher stakes in it. There were some questions I had, but overall, I, I think I gave it a seven and a half out of ten. Great. What about you, Mark? Yeah, so Dan, there wasn't, and there wasn't a actual literal heart in this movie. That was a plot point, so that was that was good. Um, piggybacking off what Dan said, I can't believe that by the end of the movie, I was worried about the safety of a character called Ratcatcher Two. <laughs> right. But, that became the character I least wanted to die in that sure. in that group. Um, she did a really good job for being mainly a Portuguese actress um, mm. before this movie. Um, in you know, 
I don't know, you know, how I'm assuming, you know, um, she's done English work before and it's, um, and I don't know how James Gunn found her, but um, it's kind of amazing that for that role, you know, it, it was just really good. Um, I think the main thing I have said to a bunch of people, and I think I said to you guys was, I think what makes this movie great is I think James Gunn gets the Suicide Squad and what it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, it's like they're these are the the bad guys that are like the B C tier ones. So you know, it's not going to be you know these great you know uh, plans occurring and things like that. It's going to be the goofy nonsense like them getting drunk at the bar and you know things like that, or uh, one of them having a, a a fear that no one knew about going in. You know, just just things like that. Just the fun side of it. It's not going to be like the scheming, you know, genius of a of a Joker or something like that. Um, and I, I think that is right in his wheelhouse, which is why Guardians is great, because they're sort of on that same level, you know, in terms of um, being right below the, the tier of, of heroes that we know. Um, I think uh, Cena was good. Um, I will say um, this may be the best John Cena performance I've seen this year. Um, just to, you know, compare it with the other John Cena uh, movie that came out in June um, that I'm banned from saying the name of the thing on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I think this role fits him better. Um, I think when he's going comedy and, you know, not playing like not playing into the joke, but like being very earnest and, you know, uh, a very good straight man and stuff like that in the comedy realm. I think it's when he hits his stride and is really good. Um, and so so my favorite line from him in this movie, um, and he delivered it perfectly, was, uh, you know, I love peace so much, I will kill every man, woman, and child to make sure it happens. <laughs> um, and just, just the way he delivers that with, you know, no winking at the camera, no nothing that is truly what that man believes. Um, you know, it, it was real good. Um, I... I'm looking forward to them, you know, doing another smaller scale movie. I know James Gunn has been out there saying, you know, taking on the Justice League Suicide Squad, but I, I don't think that should be the next thing out the door. But who knows with DC, they may jump the gun like they do with everything. But I like Dan, I have it about seven and a half. You know, it was fun. Um, James Gunn did his magic of making me care about characters. I didn't think I'd care about going in. You know, Ratcatcher 2 is the rocket raccoon of this movie. Um, you know, and he also worked his magic again with King Shark, you know, as he did with Groot, with something that didn't really say much, but you felt all the emotion um, from that character. I love the uh, one scene when he's just sitting alone in the van. And I don't know if I'd have to rewatch it to see if I was just seeing things or projecting, but it kind of looked like he was like just coming out of crying for being alone there, mm -hmm. the way he was sitting there. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think it was really good, uh, and I'm glad um, that I liked it and didn't have to um, defend it against any criticisms from Dan. <laughs> yeah, uh, as for me, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you guys kind of hit the nail on the head already. I mean, I think this is kind of his wheelhouse uh, in terms of James Gunn, as opposed to like David Ayer kind of being like a square peg in a round hole. Um when trying to create something that should be fun and goofy. And then he just takes it way too seriously. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, I had a great time with it. Uh, I really don't have more, more to say than what you guys said already. Um, Dan, um, how much did you love uh, seeing Captain Boomerang make his exit? Oh, immediately, too. <laughs> I, I like that they didn't wait. I think he bites it at like the 12 minute mark. Uh, <laughs> not that I was keeping count or anything. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I'll say this. Obviously, comic books are supposed to be kind of wacky and goofy. There are some characters out there who gimmicks you just can't make good. And an Aussie who throws a fucking boomerang, you, it, I don't care what you give him, it's a shit character. Oh, his mm. boomerang can like open portals. I don't care. It's terrible. Throwing something that comes back to you. Sometimes. Sometimes it comes back to you. <laughs> uh, it's terrible. And it, like his whole thing is he's a gruff. He's a gruff bad guy. Who cares? That's that's terrible. And I, I will say, you know, I, I, you and I were talking about this off of uh, off podcast was there are a lot of characters whose abilities are I aim real good. Right. And in general. In right. general. Yeah. I think, and from DC and uh, Marvel, you know, you, you have um, you have Deadshot, you have Bloodsport, you have uh, Hawkeye, you have Green Arrow, you have uh, Deathstroke, you have yeah. Bullseye. It's just like, <laughs> holy shit, man. Like, we get it. Some of you guys can just, like, throw things and, and shoot well. Uh, I, I, I do think there was a lot of similarities between Bloodsport and Deadshot. Mm-hmm. I, I think you mentioned like, oh, maybe like they just can get Will Smith and then they're like, all right, well, moving on, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that yeah, was same, it's very similar motivation from with that Will Smith's character had in the first one. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, Waller kind of has hangs their daughters, their respective daughters over their heads to make them do what she pleases. Uh, and, and Viola Davis, again, gives a, a great performance as Amanda Waller. She probably shows more emotion in this movie than. Yeah. Uh, the first Suicide Squad. Uh, yeah, that that was awesome. But, you know, I, there was something I saw online, and we, we were talking about this before, Ant, but I wanted to kind of get all of your takes. Uh, you know, this movie didn't open up well. I think it only opened up to like 26 mil at the box office. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- there are people who are kind of defending it. Like, there, there's never a DC movie that's not divisive in some way. Right, it's it, there's always a lot of vitriol that kind of follows a DC uh, a DCEU premiere. Yeah, um, and and someone had mentioned, oh, you know, pre-pandemic, this movie makes eight hundred million, and I don't, I don't get, and you you said this before, Ant, just because it doesn't make money or it makes money doesn't make it a good or bad movie, and I think this is a prime example of this was a good movie that's probably not going to make a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think we kind of need to get away from that, especially with the pandemic going on. Definitely, I think I don't know. It's it's weird. It's everybody now all of a sudden cares about box office numbers, like like it's going to fatten their wallets. Like I don't get it. I don't get the obsession with my favorite movie is now the number one movie. Like who gives a shit that uh, Endgame beat Avatar? Does it matter at the end of the day of Endgame beating Avatar? You know, it's like it doesn't change the fact of how much you like one movie or how much you dislike another movie. It's just unless you're seeing points on the back end, you should like, why do you care? I, that's the, that's the main thing with me. Like now it's like Zack Snyder fanboys are now pointing to anything that's not in the Zack Snyder milieu as like proof that 
DC needs to hire him back. And it's like, this is an R rated movie in the middle of a pandemic. And we're backsliding back into a second pandemic at the, at the current uh, moment. And HBO max released it the same day. Like if I didn't have a list, if I didn't have a list and I had HBO max, I would have watched it at home, you know? But sure. to me, it was, de- it was basically I watched it for free because I have AMC A-list. So knocked off work early and I got saw a one o'clock show. So it was easy. Um, I don't think every, <laughs> if you got HBO Max and a lot of people get it because they already have HBO. So it's right there. They'd be stupid not to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I think the main thing, and I also see this in, in video games, probably a little more than, than the two of you as well. So I don't think it's just concentrated to movies. It's just the fact that people always got to feel like they are that they won or made the correct choice yeah. with something they love. Like they it doesn't matter. If winning horse. They want to always be able to say, "Well, I picked the right one." You know, mine is better than yours, and it's just a real dumb thing that is um, taken over. I should say, gotten amplified with the uh, invention of Twitter and social media and stuff like that. Because, of course, going on the video game realm, there were console wars back in Sega and Nintendo and all that. But you didn't have a constant feed on your cell phone 24 hours a day of people screaming at each other about it. You'd have to go seek it out on message boards and chat rooms and stuff Mm -hmm. back then. So it wasn't as much in the zeitgeist as it is now. And I think the main thing is people want validation for the things they love because they want it. They want those things to come back, which is the Zack Snyder thing. They're like, hey, if all these things fail, then maybe it'll bring our thing back, you know, sort of um, thought process, Um, which is which just shows me. um, And I don't want to hang it on us, you know, it being the younger generation. But it just seems like maybe people that don't really understand how the film industry works in the sense, Mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, just because things fail most of the time the studio is not going to go back to the old thing that failed. They're going to find something new, you know? So, you know, it's just, I don't know. It just gets frustrating and I'm glad I don't follow as much movie stuff as you guys do. But, uh, I do see it on the flip side with, you know, people rooting for certain video games, um, to fail just because they're too woke or they're on a certain console or something like that. Um, Mm. it's just, it's just, the only word that comes to mind is people that get really into that stuff and, and argue all the time. They're, it, they're just pathetic. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it's not, there are other things to worry about. Um, and I don't know if I've crossed that threshold being, you know, in my mid thirties now where there's a lot of other shit I need to worry about than how much money uh, the suicide squad made this weekend. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I think that's all for shower talk. And we're going to take a quick break and we're going to play some ads so we can pay those bills and we will be back in a second. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week was Dan's pick. So, Dan, why don't you tell us what movie you picked this week? So we have another uh, listener request. So thank you very much for requesting this movie. Uh, So I had no clue about this. I've never seen... And before you get started, yeah, who was the person that requested the movie? If they're a fan and listens, uh, I don't, I don't know if they want me to say. Eh, never mind. I just, yeah. and they want to have a situation where we didn't credit a friend before for uh, suggesting no, a movie. 
It's not Tom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, but yeah, but you could say my name. I know I could say your name. You're you're my buddy. <laughs> Just so wanted to make worry. sure I didn't continue. Uh, yeah. So uh, they they sent me a message that I uh, review this film. They they've sent me a lot of messages. So uh, and so far I've I've enjoyed what they've sent me. So uh, I've never seen Staying Alive, and I've never seen Saturday Night Fever. Okay. Uh, yeah. And man, I'm glad I didn't see Saturday Night Fever because this movie, holy shit! <laughs> I, I don't know how we survived the '70s as a species. Right? It was like the '60s had some really good rock and roll. Like you had the classic rock, and then in the '80s you had some some awesome movies and pop culture was that that was great. You had you had good music, good pop culture, and the '70s is just shit. Bad style. Bad movies. I hated it. I hated it so much. But there was a lot of good uh, freeze frames in this. We'll give it that. <laughs> uh, also, Dan, this this movie is made in 1983. No, it's not. Is it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Holy shit! It doesn't seem like it was an 80s movie. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Holy shit! You're right. Wow. This scream set. Every it's got the Bee Gees in it. Right. Well, that's a holdover from the original, which takes place, which I think is 1977. I didn't look up when the first one was. Obviously, I didn't look up when this one was. I just assumed, <laughs> does this not look 70s? Uh, Everything about it screams 70s to me. I mean, there is a part, there's part of this movie where basically Disco dies and Tony Monero has no idea what to do with himself. That is, that is one of the major parts of this movie. I thought it was just like he just couldn't dance. Or like he could dance and just he wasn't getting a break. No, I mean, like, so... There's a huge gap between, so it's supposed to be six years in between, like the movies are actually. And between the first one and the second one, Disco dies. Um, but he's such a he's such a hit in Brooklyn because he can he can dance disco really well. So there are scenes where he's just like in this movie, this is when he's working as a waiter and he stares longingly at the disco ball at the club, thinking, "Man, I was something else when disco was it, and now." Now I don't even know what these people are doing dancing. So now I've got to be this interpreter dancer. So is this kind of a, uh, I used to be with it and then what it was became uncool kind of thing? Yeah. Now I don't know basically. what it is. Yeah. 100%. Uh, yeah, but so th- does it help that I haven't seen Saturday Night Fever? It doesn't help that you <laughs> haven't seen or Saturday Night Fever. It doesn't help, right? Because I would have, I guess I would have picked up on that. Yeah. Yeah, because I to me it just I figured yeah you know it's the seventies and he I thought he was looking longingly at the ball because that's he loves music <laughs> like, <laughs> like I love dance. That's when he was a bit. That's when he was a somebody, and it was in, he was a somebody in Brooklyn. So it's like big fish in a small pond, but still he was a somebody. So now he's in Manhattan, right? Now he's in Manhattan, yeah. and he's not a somebody. He's a nobody. He's a nobody. Right? Yeah, because the the dance instructor tells him, "What have you done for anybody?" Mm-hmm. Right, you like basically you've done nothing. But yeah, yeah I, maybe I should have seen. I, I'm not going to watch Saturday Night Fever. Uh, I have no interest in it. But <laughs> I will man, say it's a very different movie. It's darker. Yeah. There, really? it's like oh yeah, it's like an R rating. <laughs> yeah, it's someone someone falls off the Verrazano Bridge. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, yeah, it's it's a much much darker film than this. Okay, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I now I feel like I've been thrown through a loop because <laughs> I, I was de- I was dead set. This is 70s. This is the most 70s movie I've ever seen. 
Uh, there and nothing could have changed my mind. And you, you just told me, but yeah, this movie yeah. came out the same year as Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that's a shit movie too. Not not a big Jedi fan. Bad uh, year for film. Oh, <laughs> uh, what about you, Mark? Where are you coming from with Staying Alive? Yeah, so I um I had actually seen Saturday Night Fever. Um, I always thought that this was like a spiritual sequel, um, more so than a direct one, which it might kind of be, but uh. I got a lot of really good whiplash in the beginning of the movie from a um, seeing Kirkwood Smith um, in the opening dance montage as the choreographer. Unfortunately, he's not in it after that scene, but um, got really excited about that. And then I had no idea. And this is on me. My fault that this movie was co-written by Sylvester Stallone and directed by Sylvester Stallone. Yep. Produced. Yeah. Produced. I did not know that. And that threw me for a loop. And then, Seeing that we had a, a two-time, uh, they called us a movie person in Cynthia Rhodes out of nowhere um, that popped in. And I'm like, oh, oh, her. Because the only thing I knew going in besides Travolta is that Vanilla uh, Hughes, who um, I'm going to give myself another thing that Mark should probably not reveal on a podcast. It's like on a thousand episodes of a of soap opera. Yeah. Yeah. Had, uh, had watched a whole lot of uh, Anna Scorpio um, on General Hospital in the early nineties because his mother would tape it on uh, her VCR every day. So coming home from school, that was the programming from three to four. And then I got to watch whatever bullshit I watched as a nine year old after that until dinner. So I knew she was in it. And yeah, then when all the other people started popping up, I was like, Oh, I did not know about this, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't seen Saturday Night Fever in a while and I'm sure it's the same thing. We're not supposed to root for Tony, right? No he's... way. So, if I remember correctly, <laughs> in Saturday Night Fever, he's a little more likable. Okay. He's not cartoonishly a dick from <laughs> yeah. what I remember. He's he's selfish. He's It's all about you know him being like this big shot at this club. But he doesn't just go yeah. right out like talk to a girl that he's like into and then immediately ditch her to go hang out with somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in those, th- in this movie, it's, it's less, what's the word I'm looking for. It's less subtle in this movie than I believe in Saturday night fever. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I completely dislike the character throughout the whole movie. He's just a bad guy. Um, oh, and yeah. the whole thing. And I was actually rooting for, Cynthia Rose's character. Um, I think her name's Lara. I'm not sure. She's Jackie. Jackie, yeah. Jackie. Jackie. Lara is is that Anola right? Hughes. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I was like two points got me mad. Um, besides the fact the uh I'm assuming you were supposed to be rooting for him when he's giving all those speeches to um Vanilla Hughes of how, you know, didn't it mean anything with us? Well, you know, and all that you're supposed to feel for him there. And I'm like, no, she's completely right, even though she's kind of a dick as well um, mm-hmm. as a person. But at least she she knows it and is embracing it. And when they, um, you know, had the ending occur where I just wanted Jackie to go off on her own. Like, just <laughs> just leave yeah. this situation. It is bad for you. Just just leave. Go go with Frank Stallone. You know, yes. <laughs> even even though he gives the creepiest wink of all time in this movie, just go with him. He is much better for you um, than 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 Tony. Um, 
But yeah, that was my main thing was like, I've never, I haven't watched the movie in a long time where I'm assuming the writers were supposed to be making some kind of like uh, coming to age or realization or some type of thing for a character that I did not want to happen. <laughs> I wanted him to fail as when he got the lead. Um, I don't know. It, it, if that's what Travolta was going for, then he nailed it. But besides that, I, yeah, that, that was the whole thing about this movie. It was, it's really strange, the, the dance stuff. And I think I now have a new location for D&D campaign. Um, you know, Satan's Alley um, for something, because that was, um, somebody was like, that's a genius name. Um <laughs> We, uh, Jen Jen said that this movie lands us in horny jail. But... Yeah. <laughs> and the, the ending alone, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just o- over the top in terms of, I don't know what it was going for, but maybe if I was watching this in 1983, it made a little more sense. But yeah, in 2021 standards, um, Tony would have no friends. <laughs> sure. <laughs> for me. I've seen Saturday Night Fever a few times. My family is from Brooklyn. Um, and I actually think I've also seen this in a film class in college. It was Saturday Night Fever, not Staying Alive. Um, so I texted my dad today, told him that I'm watching the sequel to hit one of his favorite movies of all time. Um, because in, my parents grew up in Brooklyn and we literally lived like right around the corner from the famous opening scene of Saturday Night Fever where he's walking with the paint cans. So it became a thing just because that's the neighbor, the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I texted him and he said, he said, like, basically, Ugg, uh, make sure to uh, I'm going to pull it up right now because I forgot exactly what he said. He By the said, way, oh, I felt that I felt that your dad was in the room when you did that. <laughs> the when you said neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> I said, oh, boy, be sure to trash Stallone as much as Travolta. <laughs> 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 this movie has no plot no. <laughs> this he ping pongs from jackie to laura and that's only in between scenes of rehearsal dancing montages he's unlikable cynthia rhodes is the goat in this you know i stand her in this movie because she needs yes she I mean, she's a talented person in general. Um, she sang all the songs that she sings in this movie. She dances all the dances that she does in this. As we mentioned, she has a very interesting career uh, that she just decided that she was going to stop to raise kids. And, you know, like we stand Cynthia Rhodes on this podcast is basically what we're saying. Um, Frank Stallone's great. <laughs> uh, there was, I texted you guys. There's like one song uh, in this song, in this movie that fucking slaps. Um, far from over far from over it's the opening song and they they reprise it in the the main rehearsal montage like right up until the big night oh man great 80s song frank stallone kills it on that song uh yeah but it's this movie sucks uh <laughs> it, i i was la- out uh, openly laughing at a few things including frank stallone just being there um, <laughs> yeah but it's tough. It, it's tough to like Tony in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I. So I have a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Who wins in a dance off? John Travolta or Patrick Swayze? Oh, ah, I uh, Patrick Swayze because Patrick Swayze apparently is one of the background dancers in the rehearsal mon- the final rehearsal montage. Oh wow! Look at that. Yeah, I don't think you see his face, but he's there according to the okay. trivia. 
And I mean, he's overall just tougher than Travolta. Yeah, I'd like to see that fight. I mean, it, it, like both of them just go, they go up and down in terms of how tough they seem, right? Mm-hmm. From movie to movie. Yeah. Like, I feel like, like they're like, obviously like Roadhouse. Nobody's, yeah. nobody's tougher. Uh, John Travolta's never played a tougher character. Uh, but also Patrick Swayze's never played a character as tough as that. But he's not super tough in like, you know, uh, the the fucking famous movie that I can't think Dirty of. Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I would I would watch that fight. And he's tiny too. I think Patrick Swayze was pretty small. Was he now? I think. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. And and also we have to watch Dirty Dancing at some point to just complete the Cynthia Rhodes trifecta. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I also had written down in in the age of verses where we have all these verses movies coming out want to see staying alive versus black swan i just want to see how that would pan out because <laughs> one is just like super super I, and i got that idea at the very end where they're doing the devil's alley and it's i just kept thinking this would be so cool if i were high they have the strobe effects going and all this crazy like travolta's throwing around gimps uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's throwing a bunch of them around yeah and these guys are like whipping him, and they, there's like some light BDSM going on. Oh yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> call it light at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy. Like I I kept cracking up when he would throw a uh, a gimp, and each one of them would do an uh, <laughs> like they each had their own sound effect. Yeah, and it just it reminded me of Black Swan, and it's like obviously Black Swan is ballet, but I would love to see a, a dance off between those characters because they're both fucking nut jobs <laughs> and it would just be natalie portman's character would probably like try to kill john travolta's character sure. i guess to get the the first spot and john travolta would just try to bang her yeah john was gonna go oh why are you touching me hey hey <laughs> yeah it's oh man this movie, girl like you why are you t- this movie i think from the get-go i was laughing out loud because it, it, it opens up with a bang with Travolta just going fucking nuts. And <laughs> I, I was not expecting it to just really hit you over the head with the dancing right away. Yeah, but yeah they, they go for it, man. And Stallone gets his montages in. <laughs> yes, he does. He, he really, he saturates it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's again, yeah, this movie is, it's not a good movie, but yeah. I didn't hate myself watching it. I, I I laughed. I had a good time watching it. Yeah. Uh, this is also kind of like the perfect movie for us because we have John Travolta and Sylvester Stallone, like who mm-hmm. have been on yeah. a lot of episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, uh, I think we I, I was looking at my picks and I seem to have a Volta fetish, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 I got to I got to lay off the Travolta. <laughs> So, Staying Alive from 1983 is directed by Sylvester Stallone. Uh, it stars John Travolta, Cynthia Rhodes, Fanola Hughes, Julie Bavasso, Norma Donaldson, Kurtwood Smith, Frank Stallone. Really small cast. Like, there's not many. Besides, obviously, there's there's background extras, but it's really it's really three people that are at most of this movie. Has an IMDb score of 4.7 and a Rotten Tomato score of 0%. Budget. $22 million box office, $64.9 million. It was the seventh highest grossing film of 1983. Kind of impressive because it's yeah. shitty. I, I can't w- believe this cost $22 million. Yeah, I would assume, I, I would say that it's probably four people if you include, include the choreographer. 
who who is the director, who is, I yeah. guess the Mickey of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so none of his inspirational speeches yeah. uh, make any sense. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying he's a good Mickey. I'm not. But... I'm not saying. I'm just saying this is something <laughs> that I noticed. Is like because I when I was watching it back the second time, I'm just like I don't understand. I don't know what he means by any of the things he's just said. I don't know. I don't know where this dude's coming from. He shows up at the show. <laughs> he he's a very uh, like astute dance choreographer. And, like, he's he, a director of the play. He, oh yeah, the, the uh, director. Uh, right, he's always in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. For each time Tony is going through something. Yeah. So it's almost like I, to me, if you if you take out the music and the dancing, this is a horror movie. Because <laughs> the the director is stalking him. It, like the the director's stalking him, and Tony's stalking uh what the uh the, the Laura. British chick Laura. He's stalking her, and yeah, he. I think he just if it wasn't for that, he would probably try to kill her. Like he would have killed her on stage. I think that's how this yeah. would have ended. Yeah, and and speaking of stalking. He literally lays out stalking behavior when he's yelling at her the one time. Oh, yeah. He's like, I call your phone, you don't answer. Exactly. I go, I go to the studio, you're not there. I go to your house, and you walk up with some guy. <laughs> All red flags. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you don't see how these are these are your problem there. <laughs> I'm sorry. But the, the, the issue with this movie is the women don't say no. Or, or when they do, they come right back. Right. Right. Yeah. Because Jackie does tell him, like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And then the very next scene, they're seen joking around at practice. Yeah. Like, it's... come on, Jackie, you're better than this. Mm-hmm. He has, so he has the same fight multiple times with Laura. He has the same fight multiple yeah. times with Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. And at one point, you, you have to kind of say, listen, ladies, I mean, you know, you got to cut this off. It, it, they keep going back to an abusive relationship. Right, mm-hmm. especially Jackie, because he he makes sure that Jackie's with nobody, and oh, yeah, th- that that's bad. That's he calls her at three o'clock in the morning to make sure her her bed is empty. Yeah, that's that's psycho yeah. behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and and I gotta say, I know we've been praising her a lot, but she has probably the best like scene in the movie when she's telling him off mm-hmm. and just sort of like you know you don't get it, you're essentially you're an asshole and we're just going to be friends mm-hmm. and then walks away just her whole monologue and you know putting him in his place there might be the actual best scene in the movie mm-hmm. um and then they completely take away the effectiveness of this about 10 yeah. minutes later they walk it back and yeah. he learns nothing at the end nope <laughs> this nope. character has no arc right because he, he he does well and then what does he fucking do at the end he leaves by himself <laughs> yep yeah he doesn't leave with and- jackie and he also kisses Jackie and stares at Lara as she walks by. Right, yep. he's a vindictive asshole. <laughs> when when he, I was watching the movie with Jen, and when he, you know, after the show, he he goes, you know what I need to do? What? Strut. I yelled, fuck you. He didn't deserve <laughs> that. You know, I'm going to go strut. Dude, you suck, all right? You don't deserve to strut. You've learned nothing. You're a jerk in this entire movie. And you left your girlfriend behind, again. Yeah. I, I could hear Stallone going, yeah, when we wrote this movie, they were like, are you going to do it? You're going to have the Bee Gees song in it. And I thought, why not keep them asking for it and not put it at the end? <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, but to to be fair, 
this movie, it took a lot longer than I expected for the first BG song to play. It, it was like 20 <laughs> minutes in. I thought it was going to be nothing but BG. It would have made a lot Stallone more sense. For, yeah, exactly. Uh, Sly had to put his brother in there first, which is nice. <laughs> you know, that he threw his brother a bone. <laughs> you guys want to get into the plot? Sure. sure. All right, Dan, what do you got for us? Okay, uh, just going to give a quick shout to our friends Brittany and Tia and their podcast, uh, Top 10 with Tia. It's a weekly podcast where Tia and Brittany run down top 10 lists. If that's your thing, head on over to Geek Vibes Nation. You can check it out there, and you could find Tia at TC underscore Stark. She is also the head writer for Geek Vibes Nation. So uh, go check out her, her reviews, friend of the podcast. And uh, to- uh, suggestion for a top 10 topic, Tia? Top 10 red flags of John Travolta's character in this movie. <laughs> oh, there's way more than 10. <laughs> That's why you got to narrow it down. That's what the discussion <laughs> is about. It's going to be tough. Uh, you could veto that, Tia, by the way. <laughs> you don't have to watch this movie. But we are going to take a quick break, and you guys are going to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast, and we'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. It's me, George, from the best little horror house in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest at least. We've talked about groundbreaking classics like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Alien, but we've also got a lot of great ones coming up, including some very fun guests like Len Kabazinski of Swamp Zombies and Red Letter Media fame, Caroline Williams, the star of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and Chase Williamson from John Dies at the End. So make sure you're subscribe to the best little horror house in philly and i'll see you boils and ghouls over there and welcome back now it's time to get into plot four staying alive we open on john travolta trying out a, a dance audition with a whole bunch of other dancers in a montage as the credits roll kurtwood smith is there and he's gone as fast as he came into our lives in this movie that's uh right yeah <laughs> we get lots of stretching lots of sweating lots of people picking up gym bags and leaving all set to yeah, a lot of bulge, all set to Far From Over by Frank Stallone. And honestly, this song slaps. It's uh, intense. It is. It's like your classic 80s montage song. It's like Sylvester Stallone would, would put into a Rocky. It, it, it's way better than it has any right being. Yeah, especially for such a shitty movie. Yeah. And Tony Monero gets cut and leaves and is back on the streets of New York. He then goes to work at a dance studio and he's late. Tells another instructor, Jackie, played by Cynthia Rhodes, that he turned down the play. And he starts mouthing off to his boss. And then we see him teaching his class, telling them all they have, quote unquote, potential and really hanging on that word. And he goes, you ever hear you ever see that meme like you can't smell pictures. You can smell the room that they're dancing in. It must have been (laughs) so musty and just just disgusting. Yeah, It, it, it looked awful. He then goes back to some rat trap hotel that he's staying at where he showers and does his laundry in the shower at the same time and goes to work as a waiter at a nightclub. He gets hit on by a couple of regulars and drops shit and reminisces about disco and blows off a girl telling her that he's too career oriented at the moment. 
And he winds up. One of them was actually um, somebody. Um, You know what? I I should have, other than just actually like doing research, I should have picked up that this movie was in the 80s because all the women are dressed like Patty Smythe in The Warrior. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They they all have like the really, really out there eyeshadow and the the, the bright makeup and clothes. Sure. Yeah. I I believe one of the girls was uh, Joyce Heiser from. Uh, just one of the boys, the the main character in that movie. Okay, you know, uh, okay, kinda, never mind. It's it's stretching the it's somebody, but yeah, I'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where am I? Um, he's career oriented or his goal oriented. Yeah. So he wakes up the next morning in Jackie's apartment, telling her that he wants to start something today. So he's leaving early. So he winds up going to talent agency after talent agency, and runs into Sylvester Stallone in the street. And then a montage of him. I that. Yep. When did you run into him? So he's walking, he's like walking across a crosswalk and Stallone's coming the other way and they bump shoulders and Stallone looks back and he's got like a pair of aviator sunglasses on. I missed that. God damn it. <laughs> now you so tec- watch it again, Dan. Yeah, I yep. know. I got to go back. <laughs> so he's technically in this movie too. So it's starring. Chalk, chalk up another one for uh, Sylvester Stallone in our, uh, in our pantheon. Uh, <laughs> montage of Tony going to a whole bunch of town agents and getting rejected by all of them. Later, Tony walks Cynthia back to not Cynthia, Jackie, Cynthia Rhodes back to her apartment, and they have a conversation about their careers. She's in a show and they're having the last performance that night, and she wants it to go. He goes on and on about his untapped potential, and she mentions that she's happy where she's at at her career and isn't too worried about making it or not. And he winds up going to the show and is entranced by the lead dancer. So we get a long montage of him staring at her from behind the stage as the show goes on. And he stares at her some more as she comes off the stage after the finale. Then Jackie comes over to him and he tells her that she was great, even though we have zero evidence that he saw things she did. Jackie goes off. This this was when I I was getting kind of confused because he's like clearly hitting on this other woman i was like well i thought he's dating jackie is he not dating her i was like i there must be something wrong right because john travolta is not a bad guy (laughs) but he is yeah he's very much a bad guy he's like rubbing her face in it too oh yeah yeah just like out in the open with it yeah there's no problem i could do this right yeah 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 it's yeah he's uh the thing i liked about um with this scene is he definitely encapsulated that thing we have with a friend whenever they say, Hey, did you listen to the thing I made? Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was awesome. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't lie to my friends. (laughs) Are you, that is one thing I'll say about you. And you're, you're not a liar. Yeah. You're, you're you're very much a liar. Apparently a communist, (laughs) (laughs) but he is not a porn star. (laughs) Uh, but more so, like if you had forgotten to uh, listen or read what they sent you, you just you just give the platitudes like he does in this scene until you actually can go listen to it um, <laughs> and do it, just so you didn't have to, you know, make them feel bad. Um, Man, tell but... on yourself, Mark. Tell on yourself. Oh yeah, I'm <laughs> just <laughs> giving you shit. Um, Jackie goes off to get changed, and Tony sees the lead dancer Laura go into a dressing room, and he follows her. He knocks on the door, and he doesn't get the hint that she's not into him. He tries several angles and she shuts him down each time. Eventually, she slams the door in his face. Eventually, he tries to smooth things over and wants her to go out with him. And she says she can't because she has to prepare for a new show. But she tells him she'll get him a spot to audition for the new play. 
And then as Tony and Jackie leave the play, Tony fawns all over Jackie to uh, all over Laura to Jackie like an idiot and pisses Jackie off to the point where she leaves. At the audition, Jackie goes first and she gets a spot in the show. And then Tony gets a chance to audition and he's not taking it seriously. He's talking while the director is talking. He's making silly comments to the choreographer. Laura watches from the balcony. Afterwards, Laura waits for Tony and they talk a bit. And then the wind and they then they wind up kissing and spending the day walking around the city. Central Park specifically in a montage set to the Bee Gees. And then they fuck and he winds up in her apartment and he and she struggles to gently tell him to leave without just telling him to leave. So she kicks him out (laughs) as it's 3 a.m. and he uses a payphone in the pouring rain to call Jackie to make sure that her bed is empty. Then he tells her to go to sleep. I think it's at this point that I realize Travolta is a stage five clinger. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he refuses to leave like what do you mean i have to leave why why do i have to leave just go dude Please. yeah just get out of here yeah i think i think this plays into the first movie i think what they're doing here is like once again because he was a big shot in brooklyn in 1977 so it's like the girls were fawning all over him and he had the power in those relationships now he meets this uh, highfalutin affluent uh british dancer girl who is giving giving him the barest amount of attention and she holds basically all the cards in, in the relationship okay and he's not okay. used to it he's not used to being the the puppy dog basically yeah it, it, jen had mentioned and this was definitely it, it's poignant now because it's well you know a guy could do whatever he wants. He could sleep with as many women as he wants, and it's okay. But once the woman holds power, like, well, where's this coming from? Like, you're making me leave? No, what? No, that's not how this works. And I guess the it, the roles are reversed. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's, Laura has complete agency over her own life. Yeah, and that, yeah, that she's like the prima donna, essentially, right? Like she's the yeah. the, the, the head honcho. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's essentially his whole arc in this movie with her is that you know. He doesn't understand why she doesn't. She's not fawning, like as Anne said, fawning all over him, like every other girl he's kind of, you know, wanted a relationship with before. You know, kind of how Jackie is. You know, he just doesn't understand why she is different. Mm. You know, and to be fair, John Travolta is pretty good looking in this movie. Yeah, he's pretty yoked he's, too. He is. He's yeah. cut, man. He looks. Yeah. He's chiseled. Not an ounce of fat on the guy. Mm-hmm. Kind of like me, like a very svelte. You could grate cheese on those abs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone tells me. It's kind of weird, especially at work. People just pop in, hey, Dan, got some cheese I need to grate. I'm trying to work here, all right? Sorry, Mike. Dan, I'm making a lasagna, and I need this Mott's cut. <laughs> <laughs> got this extra sharp cheddar, and, I, you know, listen, you're around. It's, uh, it's, it's very uncomfortable. I get very little work done. It's starting to affect my life, essentially. Uh, yeah, he, he's really good looking in this movie. And like everyone's really good looking, obviously. But you see how Travolta... I, 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 I wrote down that Travolta's career has a direct correlation to when tights are not acceptable in life anymore. <laughs> because everything he's done, he's wearing tights, right? In Greece, he wears like tight leather pants. Yeah. And then... In Saturday Night Fever, he's wearing like a tight. Uh, I, I, what are those suits called? Uh, Ill, you know, I, I, I don't know suit? what they're called. Like leisure suits, right? Like, but he's wearing tight T-shirts and everything. And in this movie, he's wearing spandex again. It's, and everything just goes downhill after that because no one wears spandex anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a leisure suit. Um, yeah, 
He wears one of those in this movie too, and it looks atrocious. It it might the the white one might be the same one from the first movie. I did not like I, it. It's, I think that's what the callback was. Yeah, I thought the same thing too. It's it's weird. It doesn't look good. It's not a good <laughs> yeah. look. Yeah, it didn't hit you because you didn't see the first movie, Dan. Yeah. And I, you know. I've seen like bits and pieces of it. You know, like the the the, the famous scene when he's dancing and he's doing the. Uh, I, I don't know what that dance is called, but you know he's pointing up in the air and to the ground. Mm-hmm. The I, I don't know what it's. Is that the hustle? Yeah. Uh, so he's doing that. That's a famous scene, right? And he's wearing that. I, I believe he's wearing that same suit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. also on the cover art, is it not? It's like the. I, th- yeah. I thought that was like the the, the main picture yes. of him. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Where is it? Uh, next day, Tony paces the lobby of the hotel. He's staying at, waiting for the phone to ring. As the other tenants watch him, thinking he's crazy, eventually it rings, and he got the part in the show. And he celebrates by calling his mom to tell her the good news and remind her that he's a dancer. And he goes to see Jackie perform in a band in a bar with Frank Stallone playing lead guitar and a pre-Bon Jovi Richie Sambora also in the band. Tony waves oh, wow. her. Yep. Tony waves her over, and she comes off the stage in the middle of the song, which is weird to talk to Tony. She congratulates him. He asks her if she put in a good word for him, but she says no, that he got the job on his own. So then goes back on stage and says he'll be back to walk her home when she's done work. Yeah, was and- this the scene or was it later when he keeps saying, why is he fucking looking at you like that? Yeah. It's that yeah. look. And then they cut the, um, you know, Stallone. And I guess it's not supposed to be anything, but he really makes it look like something. Frank <laughs> Stallone. <laughs> Jen. This is so funny. Jen, when she heard Frank Stallone singing and like he sounded pretty good, uh, Jen called him Zaddy. Uh, <laughs> what? Z a d d y Zaddy. Okay, like, wow. She's got yeah, a thing that, for Frank Stallone. All I right. Was like, where is this coming from? Like he sounds really good, and like he's playing the guitar. You're like, yeah, like, you need help, young lady. This is. I don't think anyone said that about Frank Stallone in his life. <laughs> I don't think even his wife ever said that. Oh man, I think this is gonna be the uh, the TikTok right here. <laughs> um, instead of walking her home, Tony goes to Laura's apartment and he sees her walk into the building with some old guy dressed like Dracula. That's all I can think of. He had like, <laughs> good evening. <laughs> he had the black. He had like the the uh, the collar of his black jacket like pushed up, and it was like, yeah, he looks like the count. <laughs> He has like a, and he also has like a little pendant, right? In the, in the middle, like, it, it, the slick back hair that it comes to like the widow's peak. It, it's just yeah, she's she's banging Dracula at this point. Uh, That's who the limo was for, is for Dracula. Yeah, it's a whole thing. That's a whole yeah. plot point of this movie that we never find out, right? <laughs> yeah, whose limo is that? Uh, who's limo? Know who's limo? Right. He's talking it's like to several nobody. scenes. It's like the first time he sees her get into it, it was like, well, whose car is that? And right. Jackie's just like, I think it's hers. And then like then he yells. He yells at her to, like as she's getting into the car. Whose He's car demanding. is that? Yeah. I again is it kind of like play into the oh she's a woman, she can't have nice things like that? Probably. She he because probably he... thinks that she's some like a sugar sugar baby or something like that. Right. Because he mentions how like after he they have coitus that uh there's no way that she could afford the, the apartment, I guess. Like right. you need to work like four shows a week or something like that to afford this. So yeah, maybe he's just like he doesn't believe that she earned any of this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's in, it's like this is six years with, since you 
a big shot man. Like you should have learned these lessons already. Right. <laughs> like Manhattan should have humbled you by now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People learn really quickly when they move to a big city, if they have it or not. Yeah. Um, and we see Jackie waiting at the club by herself after closing and she walks al- home alone. And in 1983, New York worried about her <laughs> in yeah. 1983, New York. That is not good. I, I had, I, go ahead, Mark. I have seen maniac cop. Yeah. <laughs> this is not a good thing to have happen. Yeah. I, I had written down awfully brave of Jackie. <laughs> I know. It's like Frank Stallone should have walked you fucking home. Right. Yeah. It was somebody, anybody. <laughs> I think, I think Travolta even makes mention that it's a very rough neighborhood. Oh, yeah. In general, New York in yeah. the 80s was shithole. So I tell my parents every time. Every time they tell a story about New York or Brooklyn, I said they should have paved it and made it a parking lot. <laughs> and again, how did like anyone survive? <laughs> it's it's a miracle. Yeah. The next scene is at rehearsals, and we've seen the director explain the point of the play, and it's called Satan's Alley, which just sounds like a ripoff of the Divine Comedy. And we see Tony make eyes at Laura. After practice, Jackie tells him that she's not mad at him, that she totally got stood up, which she totally should be. And then Jackie leaves when she sees Laura coming. And Tony has it out with Laura, telling her he doesn't like to be let on. And she yells at him, telling him that what they did didn't mean anything and that everyone uses everyone. So she leaves in a huff, and the director saw it all. First stalker moment from the director. Yeah. (laughs) It, It was such a weird moment. It never pays off. Exactly. Right. It it never really means anything. Mm -mm. So again, yeah, it's more stalker behavior. Like Mark said, if anything, it should have panned up to see Jackie or something, but Jackie had left at that point. Right. I also think in this scene, maybe it's the, I made allusions to, maybe it's the, the 2021 thing, but when she starts walking away and he grabs her and pulls her back, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, ah, first reaction to that. She freaks she has the, the fuck right, out too. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, has the right reaction. Yeah, exactly. But I'm like, I, I'm. I was trying to think of it from the writing standpoint. Was this supposed to be like really like, yeah, Tony, you tell her why is she leaving? You know, <laughs> don't let her get away with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How great would it have been if uh, instead of the director and it pans up, it's like Sylvester Stallone again, <laughs> just, just randomly there <laughs> with the same aviator sunglasses yeah. on. Yeah, what am I doing here? Huh? <laughs> uh, well, I'm yeah, supposed cause... to be behind the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the uh, the only point of the director to be there was at the end when he tells him that he fucked up with Laura. That's really the only like. So like, yeah. oh, he knows. He knows they've had a relationship. It's like right. doesn't mean a goddamn thing though. Because no, again, that speech doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and yeah. they don't end up together anyway. I yeah. I, I do love a point back. Uh, something Dan said. The director basically calls him a stage five clinger um, in that in that <laughs> yeah. speech. Yeah. Uh, and another rehearsal scene, and the director has an argument with the lead male dancer regarding whether the routine should be upstage or downstage, which goes right over my head. I have no idea what they're talking about. And then they start dancing again. Tony and Jackie. That guy's, okay. That guy's a total bitch. <laughs> like, he's like super catty. Yeah. He, oh he yeah. Faces at at uh, at Tony. <laughs> it's like, right we, I, at one point when tony kind of fills in he gives him that really like mm, yeah who does this guy think he is and he laughs when tony fucks up yep oh, very bitchy yeah so tony and jackie leave and he says he's gonna come over 
And she rags on him, asks him if he's going to show up this time. And she leaves. And then immediately, Laura shows up inviting Tony to a party at her place that night. And Jackie sees the whole exchange. Tony goes home and puts on his white suit. I'm not sure if this is the suit from the first movie, but I think it might be. And he goes to the party and he sticks out like a sore thumb among all the rich people. And he eventually sees Laura chatting up the director across the room. She eventually greets him and brings him to the roof to show him the view and to talk. And he tells her that he doesn't appreciate being let on again. And she tells him that she's expecting someone else and leaves. He goes to the bar to watch Jackie sing. At the sight of him, she bursts into tears as she sings, never missing a beat because she's a fucking professional. Team Jackie. <laughs> Definitely Team Jackie. She finishes the song and walks off the stage. He goes to backstage to apologize to her for standing her up. She tells him that she's done with him. She can't let herself be treated like the way she, he treats her anymore. She'll be his friend, but nothing more. So Tony walks all the way back home to Brooklyn. And he walks past the 2001 Odyssey Club from the original film. And now it's a gay club. He goes back to his mom's house. Was there a point to that? Uh, it's just showing that, uh, you know, he, life isn't what it once was for the old Tony. Uh, I thought it was going to like he was going to be so down in the dumps that he was going to become a stripper. <laughs> no. Because they, they keep mentioning, like, my mom said not to show any nudity. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's just, again, harping on that fact that he was a big shot. And now, uh, as Disco died, so was his somebody life okay yeah again it really would have helped if i saw the first movie <laughs> i think there there are some subtle clues of the first movie i think could have helped to watch the first one but i, I don't think it necessarily makes this movie any better no yeah, i guess it's just like you said a subtle nod mm-hmm. i mean it does inform his character a, a little a little bit it's not just like an easter egg but um it does inform it the next morning tony and his mom sit at the kitchen table she wants him to eat something he doesn't want to he wants to apologize to her about his attitude from the past when she scoffs at him, she says his attitude is what got him out of the neighborhood and that he must be doing something right. So rehearsals yeah. again. Got- yeah, I was going to say, she basically says, Tony, you're a dick. Keep yep. being a oh, dick. Yeah. That's why That's why he got as good as you went. Yeah. So rehearsals again, and the director is still struggling with the male lead. Tony and Jackie watch the leads dance. Tony tries to make up with Jackie. She tells him that she has plans. After rehearsals, Tony and Jackie talk by the pier. He asks Jackie for a favor for her to meet him at the dance studio that night. And also, he blames his bad behavior on the environment he grew up in. That night, Jackie shows up to the dance studio late with Carl, Frank Stallone, uh, the rhythm guitarist from her band. She says he's just a friend and Tony calls him a pervert. And my favorite exchange (laughs) from this entire movie is... uh, uh, Jackie tells Frank to leave and... Tony says she's in good hands. Uh, and Frank Stallone says, What are you all state? Uh, epic and then Tony, <laughs> Tony says, Yeah, you want disability? <laughs> Classic neighborhood guys just jawing at each other, am I right? <laughs> giving each other the business. <laughs> that was such a good uh, a good comeback. What are you all state? <laughs> and and uh, what I loved about that was I didn't know that was still their slogan all the right. way back in the 80s. <laughs> or in your case, uh, the 70s. When you're watching 70s, this. yeah. <laughs> I chuckled so hard. When I saw That's that. really good. That, that whole little scene was great. Yeah. And then it ends with his ridiculous wink as he walks out the door. And then uh, Tony gives uh, Jackie shit for dating a rhythm guitarist. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, he's more talented than you are. So those guys, those guys are perverts. Perverts, yeah. Meanwhile, you trying to nail anything that walks. 
I think this is going to set the record for episodes in which we do accents. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had a good Arnold Schwarzenegger for the end when, uh, <laughs> when Tony tells uh, Laura uh, to, to come on, like jump. Mm. Come on. <laughs> come on, jump. <laughs> okay, we got it out of the way. Oh, man. I think I think this episode, uh, the accents in it is just tailor-made for you, Ant. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it should be, right? You grew up with one your whole life. Right. <laughs> uh, so, neighborhood. Uh, Carl leaves and Tony tells Jackie that he needs her help because he wants to try and replace the male lead in the show. So we get another montage of Jackie and Tony dancing. After their practice, Tony walks Jackie home. And she convinces him that he knows the routine enough to attempt to get the lead. Before he leaves, he tells Jackie that he loves her. And they kiss. Next day at rehearsals, the director is still pretty pissed at the male lead. Tells everyone to take a break and then he goes for a smoke break. Tony comes up to him during the break and he tells him he thinks he could do the routine. So when they reconvene, the director tells Laura to run the routine with Tony and she's pissed. Eventually he convinces her and the routine goes terribly. So much so that Tony walks off, basically quitting the show right on the spot. And the director chases after him, basically telling him that he's never going to get a job like this again if he walks out right now, and that he's too busy worrying about trying to change other people, which I didn't realize was the moral of the story of this movie. But he says that he's got anger and intensity, and that's what he needs in this role. Nobody laughs at me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get that. No one likes to be laughed at, sure. But this entire movie, you've just been a grade-A schmuck. So Mm -hmm. I think you deserve to be humbled. Yeah. And Tony says, whatever, and storms off. As the director starts rehearsals again, Tony comes back and tries the routine again and nails it. I guess. I can't tell good dancing from bad dancing. But he, <laughs> but he there was something in him. He had the fire, right? Because yeah. now it's like, oh, shit. Everyone noticed. Mm-hmm. He's going to bring it. And I guess it's brought because everyone smiles and has a good time. And Yeah. Because right, I didn't know if he nailed it the first time or not. I yeah. thought he did. Yeah. But apparently not. <laughs> I was so in the dark. And then a montage of rehearsals getting better and going right up through dress rehearsals. Supposedly, Patrick Swayze is one of the dancers in the seat. And then it's opening night, and it's a packed house for an interpretive dance show on Broadway, which seems unlikely. And it's five minutes to show, and the director gives Tony some really esoteric advice that I'm not sure what it means, and then the play starts. It starts what does off, he say? He, he says, it's not for you, it's for he them. Says, yeah, he says, you're not one of them. You're dancing for them, not yourself. Right. So it's like, you're not the audience? Well, he knows that. He's not in the audience. I I don't know what it means. Don't know what it means. It was like some vague Buddhism type of bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you are are not one with them. You are one with the dance or whatever. You know what I mean? He says, you are Tony Monero. He wrote that on a little sheet of paper and gave it to him. (laughs) Yeah, then he he was gone. He had to have these motivational speeches so that he could eventually get to the speech in Rocky Balboa. Where he goes, it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get back up again. So Did the director the director wrote that? You think? Yeah. Keep, going, keep going forward. Yeah. Not backwards, uh, forward. It's a, it just seems like a lot of uh, life coach bullshit. Yeah. 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 I'm going to show buy my book, 60 bucks. Learn all these gems. Uh, the play starts and it starts off with Tony being lowered from a weird S&M rack platform. He's bare chested, sweaty, and I guess he's in hell or Satan's alley is the name of play. The dance goes on and it's successful, I guess. And the play, it's in, 
play hits intermission, and before the curtain goes down, Tony steals a kiss from Laura, who then scratches him in the face. Completely deserved. She storms off. I and... thought you were going to say Satan's asshole. <laughs> uh, and Jackie asks him why he had to go and kiss her, and he says it didn't mean nothing, so they kiss. And the director yells at him, telling him the show is the thing he's not, which I'm not sure what that means either. Because now it flies in the face of what he said before. <laughs> Because <laughs> right, he's saying that, like, you are the dance. And now, like, well, well no, now you're not the dance. Yeah. The, I don't the really know where this guy's coming from. It's its own thing. Yeah. Right? It's, it's its own living, breathing organism, and you're just, like, there? Oh. I don't get it. Yeah. I think motivational speeches have gotten better in the past Definitely. 40 years. And Tone, but Tony understands. He says, I'll remember that. And then the second <laughs> half starts, and we get more dancing. Lots of slow motion leaping and dancing with lens flares. J.J. Abrams would never. It's trippy as fuck. (laughs) It looks as though they're having fun, I suppose. That's about all I can say about this. That and this movie would be about 37 minutes with all this dancing removed. Uh, And we got another intermission and backstage Laura apologizes for scratching him. And then she says she wants to meet after the show to clear things up. And he says, I have other commitments. So she tells him he doesn't have it and storms off. More dancing. And as the S&M gear really kicks into high gear at this point, Whips, chains, leather, steel bars. I don't know how to summarize the dancing more than a bunch of people in leather outfits try to whip Tony and then maybe hang him. But he gets the ropes and just starts tossing everybody around. It's then he awesome. goes... <laughs> <You're> <laughs> great. Just back body drop after back body <laughs> drop. <laughs> and then he goes off book, tosses Laura into the back of the stage and does his own solo, which seems like this will be the last performance of the show for him. And the yeah. finale happens and a platform starts raising off the floor. And there's a really dramatic ro- moment where he tells Laura to jump to him and she says she can't, but then everybody yells at her to jump and she does and everybody loves the show. She was right because she definitely does not make that jump. No, that's... Like snatch cut. <laughs> like nine feet in the air. Yeah, she's not even close. <laughs> then there's the after party and he tells Jackie that he needs to get out of there because he's too excited that he feels like he's going to explode. Then he tells her that he couldn't have done it without her. And then he kisses her and makes sure that Laura is watching while he makes out with her. And then he says, you know what I want to do? And she says, what? And he says, strut. Then staying alive kicks in as Tony struts the streets of Manhattan and a freeze frame ending. And that is the end of staying alive. What a weird movie. Hated that ending so much. (laughs) You go to strut. You learn nothing, you bastard. He absolutely does not learn a single thing in this movie. And he gets rewarded for it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to him after this because he goes off book. I feel like that's not a good thing. Right. Usually directors tend to frown against that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially like Broadway, right? Yes. Yeah. Broadway's usually stuffy. Yeah. Like the director or the directors are very stuffy and it's like it's their way or the highway. Yeah. I kind of feel like Whiplash ripped off this ending, right? Because he goes yeah. off book there too. Like, and he does right. his own drum solo. But uh, J.K. Simmons' character winds up loving it. Yeah. And it, it didn't seem like this guy really enjoyed it all that much. Yeah, I don't know. There's no repercussions, so what does it matter? Yeah, there was, <laughs> never, a, there was never a third movie. No, what, what would it have been? It would have to be a Bee Gees theme, right? <laughs> they still had the rights to the Bee Gees. Okay, so what, six years later would have been 1989. Uh, it's probably Look Who's Talking too, right? That's what happens. He becomes like a cab driver or something. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? Is that when the first one came out? 
Look who's talking. I'm gonna look up look who's talking. Ooh, 1989 would have been look who's talking. So that's the that's the spiritual third movie successor. Yeah, he like yeah he gets a job as a cab driver and he falls in love with a woman that uh, had her boss's baby and the boss had nothing didn't want anything to do with him. So he's definitely fallen on hard times then. Yeah, he doesn't dance anymore. <laughs> that's for sure. With and the thank God, in the past. And thank God, Jackie went off and had a successful music. That's yeah. canon, canon in my head. She married a singer too. Yeah, yeah, she did. that would be great. She moved so up from dream. she moved up from Rin the guitarist to Richard Marks. If oh, so in re- like in real life, yeah, she yeah. and Richard she married Rich, Richard Marks, and she gave up her career to raise their children. Yeah, that's awesome. I guess. Yeah, so oh. um, if if Lugu's talking, yeah. Helps raise the uh, boss's baby. Does that mean the fourth movie is Boss Baby? Uh, it would be like seventh because there was two sequels. So yeah. we'll talking, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> got it. So this is the Saturday Night Fever universe now. Yeah, yeah, cinematic okay. universe <laughs> that we have now included both Look Who's Talking and Boss Baby. There you go. It <laughs> only makes sense, and we need to make this happen. Where do yeah. we petition to get this started? And the uh, <laughs> and the spinoff is Michael. <laughs> oh, gee, the, the angel movie? Yeah. <laughs> when he dies, and I guess he comes back as an angel? Yeah. And that's why he can go into the boss. I don't know. I'm... Yeah, no. You I'm know just... what? You're getting really <laughs> far in the weeds on this one. <laughs> no, we're, we're, throw it in there. It's in there. It's canon now. It's canon now. <laughs> yeah, they were married for like 25 years, Cynthia Rhodes and Richard Marks. They divorced in 2014. Marks was working on the motion picture soundtrack for Staying Alive. That's how they met. Oh, so oh. it was uh, fate. Yeah. He, uh, I guess he wrote a couple of the songs. Or Finding Out the Hard Way and I'm Never Gonna Give You Up with Frank Stallone. Nice. Yeah, nice. So Stallone actually wrote the banger, then not Richard Oh, Marks. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the name of that movie? It was a song. The, the, the one that slaps. I forget. Far, Far, from, Far over? from Over. Far From Over. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got nothing else to say about this movie. It's a weird one. Um, yeah. It's weirder if you've watched Saturday Night Fever too. Maybe I'll give that a go just to just to finish it out, just to round it up, you know. Yeah, it's a curious one. It's got a little bit of that '70s urban grit to it. It's also, it's, you know, it, it's like a good combination. It's like a Reese's of '70s New York grit and disco, you know, chocolate in your peanut butter you sort of thing. Yeah, and especially if you say since it's darker, mm-hmm. it might be just worth. To check, like checking that out alone, and it's your dad's favorite movie. So yeah, there you go. It's this and Love shot. Actually. Oh, well, <laughs> two very different movies. There you go. Yeah, uh, oh, that okay. Love Actually wasn't shot in the neighborhood, though. Uh, what is he doing, man? He's he's, <laughs> he's he's betraying he's betraying his uh his people. He's simping for the Brits. That's what he's doing. <laughs> oh, those limey bastards! <laughs> for shame. Uh, you guys want to plug your shit? Yeah, uh, at Diaquino122, that's uh, my personal Twitter account. And you could also follow our Real Play D&D podcast, Stranger Damies. We post updates on our episodes when we're playing. And then we're, you know, we're talking about movies. We're talking about comic books. We're talking about all sorts of stuff on there. So come join in, come hang out, and uh, let's let's talk. So uh, as Dan mentioned, our D&D podcast, Stranger Damies, airs every other Wednesday. Uh, we have a new episode just dropped um yesterday so be sure to check that out 
Um, you follow us Instagram and Twitter at Stranger Damies, as he mentioned. Um, please be sure to uh, write us a review. Give us uh, five stars for the podcast. Um, and then we also have the uh, Game Vault Pod, um, which is our gaming podcast. that airs every other Monday. Um, we'll have one uh, next Monday for you. Um, but in the meantime, you can follow us uh, on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Pod, and on all socials at the same name. Um, we stream about um, definitely uh, it'll be three nights a week for sure and possibly five. Uh, we're, we're trying to retool the weekend shows just um, or put them on hiatus until uh, fall winter um, since uh, with the summer or I should say um, once the Delta variant. Um, comes into play, then we'll have to reassess maybe streaming seven nights a week um, because there'd be nothing else to do. Um, but yeah, just keep an eye out on the Twitter when we introduce new shows. Uh, tonight, if you're uh, listening to this on Thursday, uh, me and Jen will be streaming our super secret stream um, that we've been uh, looking forward to uh, trying to figure out how to do, and then hopefully it does work out on uh, Thursday, and it'll be hopefully become the uh, recurring Thursday night stream. Um, we uh, stream on Mondays and Wednesdays. Besides that, Mondays is Retro Night with Tom, and Wednesday is our multiplayer shooter where all three of us um, play a game together, whether it's Halo, uh, Call of Duty, Apex, you know, basically uh, anything as teams of three, um, we, we we play those multiplayer. So be sure to check us out there and like, share, subscribe, uh, use your Prime Gaming subscription. You can give us, send us a free subscription there. And great. And we are They Called This Movie. You can find us on Spreaker just by searching They Called This Movie. You could find us on all podcast streaming apps just by searching They Called This Movie. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, it'd be great if you could subscribe to us and our main feed. We are the mainnaming.com. That's the main website where we post articles and all of our shows that these guys have mentioned previous. And as well, we are also on all uh, socials just by searching the main damies. That's that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search the main damie and we'll pop right up. We're also a member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gbnation.com and on all podcast streaming apps and all on all socials just by searching Geek Vibes Nation. Tons of great shows. If you're into geek stuff, surely there's a show for you. We're on TikTok. If you want to check us out on TikTok, just look, the, look for They Called This Movie. If you want to request a movie for us to do you can hit us up the main name at gmail.com and if you have time just go on your favorite podcatcher and give us a five-star review would really help us out get us noticed and that's gonna wrap it up this week the movie was staying alive from 1983 and the director was sylvester stallone so for dan aquino mark myers this is anthony davacchio telling sylvester stallone well you certainly made a movie didn't you
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.